Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas to all of you, officially. Um, yeah, we say Merry Christmas, you know, earlier before today to sometimes to folks, but uh, today it's official. It is Christmas, and you are here. So, uh, and, and you are here with us watching online, so we're glad to have you joining us as well. Uh, those of you who couldn't make it in or who are watching this later after your family finally cleans up the living room or whatever uh, with all the wrapping paper and all that good stuff, um, uh, it's good to see so many of you in your Christmas jammies and all of that. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, Merry Christmas. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that's true, that God meets us here, uh, that he is with us. I mean, it's kind of the point of the whole Christmas celebration. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God, for the chance to gather together on this Christmas morning and celebrate your love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. We are so grateful to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming to meet us where we are instead of insisting that we somehow try to get to you because you know we couldn't have done it. So instead you meet us right where we are, right in the middle of our mess, still needing to be cleaned up, needing to be healed, needing to be helped, needing to be forgiven. You meet us here, God, and you give us your grace. You show us your love in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're interested and able, let's stand and let's sing some Christmas carols.
everybody.
you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, thank you. I thank you for this amazing gift of love that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. I mean, his birth announced by angels and, uh, and heralded, shouted from the mountains, uh, this good news that Jesus Christ is born, that love has shown up on the scene, that your light has shined into our darkness. Thank you, God. You have, you have found each and every one of us needing your grace and needing your love. You have come to each and every one of us right where we are into our darkness, into our, you know, work on the night shift with the smelly sheep, you know, what, wherever the different places are that you have found us, God, you have brought this good news to us that love has come to us, that the God of the universe who made us has not forgotten us, um, has not condemned us for our failures, our sins, but instead has come to us to love us, to forgive us, to heal us, to give us life. God, we are so grateful to you for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. And we're so grateful that on this Christmas morning, you have invited us into this time, into this place where we can sing about it. Uh, we can talk to you about it. We can wish each other a Merry Christmas. We can listen to the stories once again from the scriptures announcing this good news, that love has come. Thank you, God. Help us today to experience that love, to be filled to overflowing with it, so that as you send us into all the different scenarios you're going to send us into in the, the week ahead and the year ahead, that we, can, that we can go as people so full of your love that it just spills out of us on all the people around us, that it motivates us to, to love and to serve to give, to be generous to the people around us with our time, with our resources, with our compassion. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love. Thank you for your presence with us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thanks. Let's take a couple minutes to extend that peace to each other. Go find somebody you haven't uh, shaken hands with yet and say, Merry Christmas. Maybe give him a fist bump. Uh, once again, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas again to all of you who are connecting with us online. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we've been catching up with each other here in the room while you've been kind of watching an empty room, but uh, we would love to connect with you. So if you'd like, leave a comment somewhere on YouTube or Facebook or shoot us an email or go to livinghope.info slash connect, fill out one of those little digital connect cards. Let us know how we can pray for you or thank God with you uh, or just, you know, wish you a Merry Christmas. So we'd love to know that you're worshiping with us today, whenever today is for you. And, uh, and you can also give online. Any of you can do that same thing. You know, we've all just said hi and stuff, but if you have uh, a prayer need or something you're thanking God for or a question, uh, you can let us know online or you can grab one of those little green cards in the back and drop it in the offering box. You can give there. You can give online. Uh, thanks again to all of you who've given so faithfully all year round, not just to, to big projects like Habitat and all the rest, but uh, those of you who just give. Uh, give back to God through the ministry of this church so that we can keep doing what we do day in, day out, so that we can... Uh, uh, some of you might have seen the sign on the door or might have caught it on Facebook or someplace that we've been providing an emergency warming shelter for the last few nights. Tonight will be the last night of that. We're just trying to cover this, this bad storm. And then we're hoping to start up again in January, uh, like uh, January 4th. 
uh, just to be a, a safe place for people to come in out of the weather. Um, so as long as the weather keeps dropping below freezing at night, uh, so maybe throughout the rest of January and February, we're hoping to have a volunteer or two here just in case there's someone who needs to get in out of the cold, they can come in, they can sleep inside uh, and actually you know, survive the winter. So we have lots of neighbors who are living in vehicles, who are camping in tents, and we've had a handful of folks that have, that have been here the last few nights uh, that have taken shelter. And uh, so thank you, because we wouldn't have this building. We wouldn't be able to pay the heat bill. We wouldn't be able to do these things if it weren't for your faithful giving. So thank you very much uh, for the ways that you've been uh, just faithfully, continually giving. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah, we, you can still give to the Habitat Project, by the way. Through the end of the year, all the gifts that you give to Habitat will get multiplied times four. So someone in the church is matching everything up to $15,000, which it looks like we're not going to quite hit that. You know, but they were, they were feeling extra generous this year. Um, and, uh, and then everything beyond that will get matched again. Uh, so it will all get your 10 bucks or dollar or 100 bucks or whatever it is that you give. We've had some people give five dollars, had some people give a thousand dollars. So it just depends on how God has blessed you and how you want to pay that forward. Um, whatever you give will get multiplied by four toward this house that's being built here in Valparaiso for some of our neighbors. And um, so if you want to participate in that still, you can. You can give online, uh, hit the little drop down and hit Habitat, or you can make a gift here and just write Habitat on the envelope. And, uh, and if you still want to help build the thing, I think they're still working on it. I haven't driven by lately. I don't think it's done yet. So if you'd like to help, go to livinghope.info slash habitat. And uh, there's a link there to the Porter County Habitat website and the page where you can let them know, hey, you'd like to volunteer some Saturday. And they'll make sure and connect with you so that they can know you're coming, so they can be ready for you and have some work for you to do. So uh, you can also, through the, I guess... Well, I was going to say through the, the end of the year, through the rest of this year, but next Sunday will be next year. So it'll probably still be up there next Sunday. The little uh, warm a home tree out in the lobby. If you want to make a gift to First Contact um, by putting a gift in that envelope and mailing it to them or giving to the Good Neighbor Fund online, that will all go to First Contact to help our neighbors who don't have a church or um, you know, aren't a part of our church at least so that they can go to one place instead of going to 20 places to get help to keep their their apartment rented or warm or whatever it might be. Uh, now this week, there are not going to be a whole lot of things going on here at the church uh, between this Sunday and next Sunday. Most of our midweek activities aren't happening. One thing that is happening, though, is Unity Cafe. Uh, I believe that's still correct, right? So Wednesday from 11 to 3 and Friday from 4 to 8, there are still going to be people coming here just as a safe place to socialize, and uh, they do different stuff on Wednesdays and Fridays. There's a recovery group at 4.30 and uh, a dinner, free dinner at 5.30, and uh, I think they served about 70 people uh, this last Friday night. So if you'd like to meet some of your neighbors and just connect with folks here, you're welcome to do that. Uh, it's a beautiful thing that, uh, that Sam Burgett uh, leads. So wave, Sam, in case anybody doesn't know Sam. There she is right there. That's Sam. If you have questions or if you want to help volunteer or bring food sometime, uh, talk to Sam. And then next Sunday, we'll just do one 1030 service again because uh, it's New Year's Day. And I don't know what your New Year's Eve plans are. I know I'll be staying up late, so I don't mind one bit that uh, somebody thought it would be a good idea for us not to do the 9 o'clock service next, next Sunday. So, uh, and then on the 8th, we'll get back to our regular 9 and 1030. Because uh, I, I know several of you are like, oh, man, I don't know if I can wait till 1030 to keep coming to church. You know, you guys seem eager. Uh, most of you in the room are here at 9 usually, and uh, I'm guessing you got other stuff to do. So anyway, 
Uh, we'll get back to that on the 8th. But, uh, but next Sunday, we're starting our trip through the Bible, getting the big story of the Bible from, uh, from Genesis in January to Revelation in December. And we're going to hit 12 books of the Bible, one each month. And so if you want to get a head start, you can start reading Genesis this week. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll kick it off with Genesis chapter 1 uh, this next Sunday, talking about creation. And uh, that'll be all kinds of fun. I'm, I'm excited for this next year and the chance we have to get a, a sense of the broad sweep of Scripture and to dig deep into 12 different books of the Bible, uh, one, one each month. So anyway, that starts up next week. And I think that's it for announcements as far as I know. Um, yeah, I think I touched on all of them. All right. So the message this week, uh, <clears throat> did anybody get Christmas presents? Did you all open them already? Is there anybody that's like, no, we are waiting till after church to open our presents? Is that, uh, I was talking to somebody last night after the Christmas Eve service who, uh, oh, you guys are waiting? You haven't opened them yet. Wow, is it just because you weren't awake before this? To, okay, yeah. All right, yeah. The, as the age of the kids uh, gets older, like, yeah, the, the waking up in the morning time gets later and later. Okay. I was just talking to somebody uh, last night who, uh, she had grown up in a pastor's family, like I did. And, uh, and for them, she said, all the time growing up, they'd be at church and people would be asking them, like, what'd you get for Christmas? And like, well, they don't know. My dad's a pastor, and so we got to wait till after church. And, you know, um, yeah, all right. I guess you guys don't have that excuse. It's just like, eh, let's open them later. That's fine. They'll be there. So. Um, yeah, so, you know, you get through all the presents, you get through all the lights. How many of you have lights up of some sort? Any of you put some, we have some up. We don't have like our whole house strung in them. We just got like some Christmas trees and lit and that kind of thing. You can see them from the street. You know, it's kind of cool to drive around and see the different Christmas lights and everything. I'm curious, when will you, if you have lights or decorations, those, those sorts of things, when will you take them down? Next Sunday? The, they come down January 1st. Anybody else? When do you, when do you take them down? When the string lights are dying, <laughs> like, oh, that just looks sad. We should take those down. Does that happen, does that happen like next week or a month from now or like summer or July 4th? Yeah, yeah, they still look nice. Yeah. <clears throat> when it gets above 40, yeah, that's when the lights come down. Oh. On the 12th day of Christmas? Okay, yeah. So today's day number one, so tomorrow will be day number two. So if you've ever done the 12 days of Christmas, it doesn't count down to Christmas, just in, in case you might have been mistaken. No, today is Christmas. The 12 days of Christmas start today. So you're getting the partridge in a pear tree today, I think, right? And then, and then on for 12 days. So on the 12th day of Christmas, you're like, all right, Christmas is over. Taking the decorations down. It's the season of Epiphany now. Okay, that works. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy, I like leaving ours up kind of as long as Stacy will let us, partly because I'm lazy and I don't want to take them down, uh, but partly because they just, they look pretty, you know, and uh, especially against the winter, if we do have snow, you know, against the winter snow, the lights are twinkling and that kind of a thing, it's like, oh, yeah, that looks, that looks nice, against the, our frozen windows that get all iced up uh, in our house, um, the lights look pretty. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the, the light of Christmas today, and, uh, and all of you guys know exactly who that is, right? There's, there's no question why we celebrate Christmas. Uh, it's because of Jesus. It's because of the gift of, of God's Son that he gives to us. As we lit the Christ candle last night as part of our Christmas Eve service before lighting all the other candles from it and, uh, and singing Silent Night and turning all the lights off and remembering that the, the light of Christ goes with us uh, wherever we go. Uh, the light of God that has entered the world in Jesus uh, enters our lives and makes a difference there. And, uh, and we're all grateful for that. Um, Oh, I forgot. I was going to say something at the beginning as we were talking about gifts and things that we got, about one of the gifts that I got this year. Somebody, uh, 
Somebody gave me a, a, a whole, like one of those flip calendar things full of dad jokes. Um, and, and so I was told I need to tell one this morning. Um, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, some of us with the, all, the, all the, you know, pounds we put on with eating all the Christmas stuff, uh, maybe you wish you were a snowman because their pounds just melt away. Oh. It's a dad joke, right? Yeah. Or why did, uh, why did Santa have to go to a, start going to a therapist? Because he, he just didn't believe in himself anymore. Oh. We're not going to talk about Santa anymore because we got, we got kids in the room. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about Jesus instead. And so we've got, uh, you know, we've been looking at... Uh, you know, we usually look at Luke, the story from Luke about angels and shepherds, and those, those make for great songs. Or, or occasionally we looked at Matthew's gospel and, you know, the, the wise men and the star, and those, those make for great songs too. And all of that makes for great nativity scenes and Christmas cards. We don't see a lot of people try to make a Christmas card uh, out of John's gospel because uh, John gets a little, uh, I don't know, gets a little cosmic, I guess. Uh, in John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I love some of the imagery there, that his life brought light to everyone. Not just to Christians, not just to Americans, not just, to, you know, his, his life brings light to everyone. This light shines in the darkness. So whatever dark part of the world, whatever dark part of our community, whatever dark place you might be aware of that you think is God forsaken or, or evil, like God's light is still shining there in some way. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human, made his home among us. He was full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Oh, you know what? I goofed up a couple of words in there, didn't I? Because the translation I have on the screen and the translation I put in here, uh, the New Living Translation say he was full of, un, what is it, uh, unfailing love and faithfulness. Uh, but just about every other English translation says grace and truth right there. And the New Living has a little asterisk that says, or grace and truth. And so I thought, you know, I like that better. Because I just went, put the asterisk part in the, in the handout and forgot to change it on the screen. Um, uh, <clears throat> when Jesus showed up, here in our humanity. He was full of grace and truth. He was full of God's unfailing love and faithfulness. He showed us who God really is. The word made flesh, giving light to everyone. I know that uh, some of you might have someone in your life that you think they are, maybe you felt like they're beyond redemption. 
You know, maybe it's someone you love who has wandered off, or maybe it's someone who has harmed you, hurt you in some way, and you think, nope, they, there is nothing good for them. They, there is no, they are completely dark. There is no light shining there. John reminds us that no, he, he says it twice in here, that Jesus gives light to everyone, that he doesn't give up on any of us. And maybe you have felt like you fit that category at some point in your life. You felt like you had wandered so far off that there was no light shining, that you were just lost in the dark. But Jesus has never given up on you, never given up on me. His light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. He is the true light who gives light to everyone, and he comes into the world. He becomes human like us, makes his home among us, full of grace and truth. This is what we celebrate at Christmas time, that God has not kept his distance from us, that he has come right to us, that love came down at Christmas, as we just say. Um, So that's why we're here. Now, the Bible is full of testimony to this. People who walked and talked with Jesus and who said, yes, he, his light shined into my life. And, uh, and people who wrote to others trying to help them understand like what this means. And one of those was the author of the book, we call it Hebrews in our New Testament. We don't know who wrote it. It might have been the Apostle Paul. might have been someone else. Uh, if it's Paul, it's weird that he doesn't name himself like he does in every other letter that he writes. So, uh, so it might have been someone else. But whoever wrote this was writing to some Jewish Christians, some Hebrew Christians, People who had been waiting for the Messiah and who now have recognized that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that he is the hope of Israel, that all that our nation had been, had been doing, our people had been doing, leading, was leading up to Jesus. And so he's, the author of Hebrews is writing to them to try to help them see you know, how to make sense of all that they had experienced in the past in light of what God is doing now in Jesus. But it would be kind of nice if someone would do that for each of us sometimes, wouldn't it? And somebody would say, oh, your life has had all kinds of ups and downs and twists and turns, and, and your family history is, is full of you know, brokenness and pain. Well, let me help you understand how all of that was, was leading you to Jesus. Let me help you understand how God was at work in all of that. That would be nice if someone would write one of these letters for us. Um, but they did write it for these Hebrew Christians. And they, they start out by saying, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days... He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So so everything is made through Jesus, and John had said the same thing. And now Jesus also is the heir of all things. He's going to inherit all things. All things are going to be given to Jesus. So he's like the beginning and the end. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. We were talking about him being the light. It's like, what, well, what is this light of Jesus? Well, it is the radiance of God's glory. He's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. If you've ever wondered what God is like, if you've gotten a picture of God that gets twisted or sideways because of, you know, maybe, the, maybe there was some Christian who uh, really messed up and did you harm and, and you got church hurt, you know, and it took you a while to finally make your way back to today. Or maybe that's why you're watching online right now. You're kind of wondering, you know, is this one of those, is this place really safe like they claim they are, or are they just as bad as the church I, you know, left or was hurt in? Um, if you ever wondered what God is like, you look at Jesus. He is the exact representation of God's being. 
Or as Jesus said in another time, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Sometimes we get pictures of God that are all messed up. And Jesus, one of the reasons he comes on the scene is to correct our misunderstandings, the misrepresentations of God that have, that have come across, to set the record straight. And that's what he does. It continues, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Which is a weird place to end it. This is one of the scriptures that we're given today to reflect on, uh, that some other churches are reflecting on as well. Um, <clears throat> and that little angels bit, uh, they believed, the, the people of Israel believed that the, the messages that the prophets had, you know, that they started out talking about, the prophets that have, that have spoken to us at various times in various ways, that they got their message from messengers, from angels who came to them and said, here's what to say. And so and then they would say it. So he's, he's trying to help them understand that, like, okay, you might, you might hold your scriptures in high regard, the, the message of the prophets that's been entrusted to us as a people, and that's a good thing. But Jesus, we hold in even higher regard. You know, Jesus is higher than those angels who brought messages in the past, higher than the prophets. And if the message of the prophets could, could perhaps be misunderstood, you know, they're human beings, they're doing their best, trying to get their message across and trying to communicate to us what God communicated to them. And he says, well, we've, we've heard from the prophets lots of different times, lots of different ways, but now, whew, now we've heard from the Son. Now we've seen the exact representation of God's being right in front of us. God revealed most clearly in Jesus Christ. If you ever wonder what God is like, you look to Jesus, the radiance of God's glory shines through him. Uh, I did want us to look real quick at one of the prophets, uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Again, there'll be Christians all over the place reading this this morning. Um, looking ahead to a time of trying to, trying to give hope to some people who are in a pretty hopeless place. It says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Because that's what they're in right now. <laughs> darkness and despair. It's like, hey, this will not last forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, those are two of the tribes of Israel. It, their land will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Some of you recognize that, right? Galilee is like, well, that's, that's where Jesus spent a lot of time. You, know, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He spends a whole lot of time walking around Galilee with these fishermen and other people that he picked up as disciples in Galilee. Galilee of the Gentiles. This area that's kind of on the fringe of Israel Lots of outsiders live there. Lots of non-Jews, Gentiles, live there. Now, if anybody lives in darkness, it's those Gentiles, right? They don't even have the message of the prophets. You know, they're, they're just living life on their own terms out there. He says, there'll be a time in the future when that area will be filled with glory. And he, then he kind of starts to wax poetic. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and his people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, 
and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. To a people who were in darkness and despair, to a people who were in the process of being humbled, who were you know, losing to their, their political enemies, their military enemies, to a people who were living in darkness, who uh, were seeing, what was it, talking about boots of the warrior and uniforms bloodstained by war, like, yeah, that was, that was what they were in the middle of. Saying that, that's going to be a thing of the past. You're not going to need those. Those will be burned. Fuel for the fire. The oppressor's rod will be broken. The yoke of slavery broken. Heavy burdens lifted from shoulders. When we see that kind of work taking place in the world, we can recognize echoes of the prophet Isaiah and say, oh, this is the kind of work that God promised to do one day. When we see people lifting up the lowly, taking heavy burdens off people's shoulders, when we see people being peacemakers and stepping into places of conflict and bringing peace, we see people doing the work that God has promised to do. That's light shining in darkness. It's a beautiful thing when we get to carry that light into those places, when we get to be a part of that work. <clears throat> For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, uh, and he'll be called and they just talk a little bit about Jesus and, uh, and, and who he is, what he does for us. Wonderful counselor. You know, he's the one that gives us advice that actually works, right? He's a counselor who represents us well, if you want to think of like the, the attorney type of a counselor. Um, he represents us well to our Heavenly Father. Uh, and he also counsels us. He, he guides us, leads us, gives us wisdom. I know some of us, uh, as we think about the, this next year, we think about the year that we're about to leave behind. We, we look back and we see some of the, some of the things that we, we thought it was good advice. We thought that was a good path we should walk down and turned out not to be so good. You know, like that relationship ended up being pretty bad. You know, or that, uh, that job didn't quite work out. Or that, that thing that I thought I should throw some energy into or some money into or some time into, that, oh, yeah, didn't go like I had hoped. Well, Jesus is a wonderful counselor, an awe-inspiring counselor. He, he can lead us well. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you're listening to him that every investment you make is going to just go up to the right. You know, it doesn't mean that, that you'll never find yourself uh, pouring your energies into something that seems to flounder or doesn't seem to, to work out well. Um, but man, life, I don't know, many of us in the room can attest to it, life just seems to go better when we, when we listen to Jesus when we let him guide us, when we actually listen to his counsel and don't just listen to, like, random people on Facebook or something, you know, that we went to high school with a long time ago. Um, when we listen to Jesus, when we listen to the God who made the universe, when we listen to the God who's aware of everything that's going on and knows us intimately and our strengths and our weaknesses and knows what we can do and what we maybe shouldn't try and should leave to someone else, when we listen to God, man, we, we find ourselves sometimes swept up into some pretty amazing things that we get to participate in. He is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. In this idea that Jesus is God in the flesh, here among us. Mighty God. Now, sometimes we hear mighty and we think, 
Yes, like mighty warrior, you know, like big, buff, powerful, able to squish his enemies, you know, with his pinky finger or something. And, but then again, we, we look to Jesus to see who God is. And Jesus doesn't come to crush his enemies. He comes, in fact, to kind of do the opposite. He lets his enemies crush him. He, he loves them. He loves his enemies, and, and he instructs us to do the same. The, the might of God is the, is the ability to love in spite of the pain that it brings, is the ability to love even the unlovable, is the ability to serve someone who isn't at all grateful. This is the, the strength of God that he gives to us as we do our best to follow his lead, to listen to his advice, to, to follow uh, the example of Jesus. We see this mighty God. Jesus said, "What well, I, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. To give my life as a ransom for many. This is, the, this is what the might of God looks like, the power of God looks like in a human life. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, which is a little weird to apply that one to Jesus. Wait, wait a minute, he's the, he's the son, and not the father, and how does that all work? And, and again, we, I mentioned this last night, we, we try with our puny brains to figure that all out. How is it that God gives himself to us in his son Jesus and like the son can have a conversation with with the father and like anyway that whole thing just kind of blows our brains you know like you know that, that little emoji with the mind blown thing you know that's what happens to us when we we try to figure that out but but like we said Jesus is the exact representation of God's being and Jesus could say if you've seen me you've seen the father he he lets the love and the grace the power of God flow through him so directly so unimpeded it's like a, a perfectly polished mirror or something, you know, that this is God's love made manifest right here. The, the Father is our, our, the God who made us is, is present among us in Jesus. And now that Jesus has, what, what was it read earlier, that he, uh, after he had provided purification for sins, you know, he died on the cross for our sins and risen again, conquering sin and death, said he, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So Jesus now is seated at God's right hand, right? It's, it's in the creed. It's in the scriptures. That's kind of where Jesus physically is. And he's given us his Holy Spirit. Again, somehow God present here among us, guiding us, empowering us, leading us. Somehow God gives himself and makes himself truly present in our midst. Again, not just shouting from the sky, but here with us. The Father, the good Father. Which, again, for some of you, that whole language is just troublesome because your dad wasn't that great. Or you, you, anytime you think of God as a father, maybe you're just thinking, oh, man, I hope not because fathers, you know, kind of stink. You know, um, or maybe that brings you great comfort because you think, well, I need a good father because my father wasn't that great. You know, I need a father to kind of do for me what my father never did. For some of you, it's, it's pretty easy. It's a, it's a good thing because you had a great dad. And, uh, and so the idea of God as a father is like, it brings all kinds of good connotations with it for you. But no matter how great your dad is, at some point your dad is not there for you. Right? Mine, thankfully, still is. Right here, you know. Um, but as we were just reminded this last week when Jason Thomas, our youth director, when he lost his mother, and he had lost his father just a year and a half ago, right, like right as he joined us here as a youth director, like that same week his father passed away about a year and a half ago. And at some point, even the best parents aren't present with us anymore. 
but he is described as the everlasting father, the father who will always be there, the father who will never leave, the father who will always be by our side, everlasting father and prince of peace, um, the one who truly brings peace, not just an absence of conflict, but that, that Hebrew word shalom that gets translated peace, and we hear it sometimes because it can get used in greetings or blessings, um, that, that speaks to a, a wholeness, a, a life that's been put back together, that's been integrated, where, where instead of a life that's scattered in 20 different directions, a life that's been pulled back into one piece again. He's the prince of peace. He's the one who, who helps us to, to find life. And how did he describe it? I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Uh, not, not a, some of us hear that and we think, oh, my life is too full already, you know, like busyness or something. No, no, no. He means a fullness of life that says, I'm appreciating this very moment. You know, and some of you have had moments like that just this morning, gathered with family, or just last night. You know, it's a moment that you wish you could just freeze and live there forever. You know, it's, it's where life is full, where life is good, where it's, where it's true peace and wholeness, goodness. He is the prince of peace. This is the prophet looking ahead to what, what we got to experience in Jesus. Uh, well, I say we kind of generously there, don't I? 2,000 years ago, people got to experience in Jesus, in the flesh. Um, and now we have their testimony pointing to us. That light that shined through Jesus has continued down through the generations, being passed from one candle to the next, to the next, to the next. The light of Christ continuing to shine uh, in dark places until finally it shined into our darkness, until finally our lives were opened up to him, until finally we... we um, we experience that light of life that Jesus refers to in John chapter 8, the last scriptures for this morning. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm glad that uh, somebody decided a long time ago to try to shove a bunch of candles into an evergreen and use that at Christmas time, you know, as like a decoration. And I'm glad that somebody decided it was better to, like, string electric lights together. And, and, and now I'm glad they've got those LEDs that don't get hot and you don't have to worry about burning the house down. And anyway, I like the twinkling lights. I like the lights at Christmas time, in part because it reminds me of Jesus, the, the light of the world, the light that shines in the darkness. Um, and in these, this time of year when it seems like the darkness <laughs> lasts a whole lot longer than we'd like uh, into our mornings and starts awfully early in the afternoons, uh, in our lives where sometimes they can seem really, really dark, it is good to have these twinkly little reminders uh, of Jesus' presence among us, the light shining in the darkness, this darkness that can never extinguish it. The light of Christ wins in the end, and I am grateful for it. All right, uh, we're going to pray, we're going to celebrate communion together, and we're going to go and enjoy the rest of our Christmas. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for shining your light into our darkness. Thank you for the people who uh, were willing to be used by you to allow that to happen for each one of us. Whoever it was that told us about you, God, if you could just bring them to mind right now. Those people who demonstrated your love, who demonstrated your grace, who were uh, courageous enough to put words to that and to tell us about you and why they were being so kind to us or patient with us. God, thank you that they were willing to let your light shine in their lives so that we might be drawn to you, so that we might be willing to say yes to your love and to your grace. 
Thank you, God, for them. And thank you that we get to do that for others. God, I pray uh, that I pray that as we go into the rest of the, the, the last few days of this year and on into 2023, God, I pray that you would help us uh, to be aware of those ways that your light might want to shine through us. Th- those people that you might want us to bring hope to. Uh, those people you might want us to help. The people you might want us just to listen to and to consider their perspective those people you might want us to spend time with, those people you might want us to be gracious to, patient with, and extend to them the kindness you have extended to us. God, I am so grateful uh, for a church full of folks who let their light shine, who allow the light of Christ to show up in their lives in so many different ways. And I'm excited to see what 2023 will bring. God, I pray for each and every one of us that you will continue. No, no matter how old we are, no matter what we've got going on in our lives, I pray that for each one of us that we will come out of this next year, that, that this time next year, as we're thinking about this same kind of theme, as we're thinking about Christmas and you coming to us, that we'll be able to look back at a year full of moments where your light was shining in darkness through us. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you that there's not a single one of us who is lost in the darkness. As Psalm 139 says, darkness is like daytime to you. You you see us. You come to us. You rescue us from darkness. And we are so grateful. We thank you, God, for this sacrament of Holy Communion that we get to celebrate today. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, the Word become flesh and living among us. You taking on our broken humanity, taking our sin on yourself, so that by your death and resurrection, you could break the power of sin and death and set us free. Thank you, God. Oh, you have been too good to us. Today, we, we offer ourselves to you, ad- admitting our need of your grace, God, a- admitting the ways that we have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Those ways that we have not nurtured the light that you have given to us, and in fact, sometimes we've done our best to, ex- to try to extinguish it, but God, your light continues to give us life. You continue to be kind, to be patient, to be gracious to us. And we are so grateful. Thank you, God, for forgiving our sins. Thank you for embracing us as your, as your children, as we read there in John's gospel. To all of us who have accepted you, who have put our trust in you, you give us the right to become children of God. Thank you for being our everlasting Father, our wonderful Counselor, our mighty God, our Prince of Peace. Thank you, God. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, the Svelbar family is going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who are thankful for his grace, uh, who, are, who are grateful for his love. Um, if that's you then you're invited to come forward and to celebrate communion today. We've got the regular little bread and the little gluten-free wafers and the little individual cups if you need one of those. Or if you don't want to get so close to folks that, that you want to come forward, we've got the little cups on the tables, and you can celebrate there as well. So let's give thanks to God, and uh, let's celebrate. Born to set thy people free From our fears and sins Release us, let us find our rest in thee Israel's strength and consolation Hope of all the earth thou art Dear desire of Joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious
Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to us, for meeting us here, for giving us your grace, for giving us your life. Thank you for shining your light into our darkness and for inviting us to carry that light into the world around us, into this next week, into this next year, whatever it may bring. We will know that you are with us, that you are guiding us, that you'll give us the strength that we need and the wisdom we need to live as your people, to live as the body of Christ, your hands, your feet. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. May God richly bless your Christmas uh, celebration and have a happy new year. See you next Sunday.